0: It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on this Tuesday. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate you being here. I'm Scott Foster. We have a full house here today, which is kind of nice. Uh, Nobody's uh, coming in on uh, Memorex, as we said earlier. Susan Littlefield is here. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. and, And when you told me where you were On those icy roads around Valparaiso, that's a little scary in that area. It is. Lots of hills
1: and valleys.
0: Definitely is. And just a little bit of the the fog and stuff just made...
1: And you don't know. No.
0: Yeah. The fog
1: was crazy yesterday in our neck of the woods. Quarter mile. Oh, wow. It left for some beautiful, when I was doing chores, left for some beautiful Mother Nature designs. I bet.
0: I bet the trees were really pretty, yeah. too. So. What do you got for us today?
1: Well, we have got such a great thing with this Women in Ag series that we've been doing, and Callie Nelms is from Indianola, Nebraska, and talked to Shaley today. She's going to talk about her seed business, livestock, and why she is passionate about remaining in the industry. She did such an amazing job. We've got two segments with her, hmm. 1219 and 117, so oh, we'll wow. have more information on that. And then, sandwiched in the midday, I'll be in to talk about the soybean performance trials that took place at kansas state university and they took those soybean trials and also did some trials on soybean cyst nematodes and what varieties were resistant so some good information coming for guys as they get ready to make or finish up those planting selections for this year
0: gosh it's hard to believe we're thinking about that already in some ways Feels hey, like we just got done
1: they're already harvesting yeah. corn in northern brazil okay
0: well good for them yeah <laughs> all right thank you susan thank you turn it over to jason uh good game last night huh it
2: was long game uh, yeah. got over about 11 15 just think if we were on the east coast oh we some bleary-eyed folks today that's right i don't know why they can't do anything about that why, why not have the playoffs already done with mm-hmm. and then play this championship game around the first What yeah. it used to mm-hmm. be M- middle of january for a national championship game Seems odd to me. Yeah,
0: it's. I don't want to weeks. be the
2: old guy in the room, but yeah. okay, okay, <laughs> boomer. All right, so. <laughs> but uh, it was quite a season, quite it a was. game,
0: especially for Joe Burrow. That's got to go down. That LSU team has got to go down as one of the best.
2: It does, and I know Husker fans don't like to hear that, but you go fifteen and zero, and you beat seven teams ranked in the top ten, yeah. and you handle the defending national champion. You can make the case for LSU. I think so. Here's a bigger question: Who had a better season? The Water Boy in nineteen ninety eight, Bobby Boucher, or Joe Burrow here in two thousand and nineteen
0: and <laughs> twenty. Wow! What a year! What a. It- Yeah, then he came out of nowhere, sort of Mm -hmm. like the water boy, really a little bit. (laughs) A little bit, and his coach sounds the same. He does.
2: (laughs) Also, coming up in sports, we'll talk Husker men's basketball. They have a tough one tonight on the road at Ohio State. That one starts a little earlier than usual. tip is at five thirty. We will have it for you right here on eight eighty K R V N. And coming up in sports, we'll hear from head coach Fred Hoiberg.
0: All right, very good. We turn it over to Bob Brogan back in the number uh, two seat once again. And uh, hey, stocks up a little bit today.
3: Stocks uh, up right now, uh, but uh, stocks fell in early trading as investors were looking at uh, a significant round of fourth quarter corporate earnings reports. Major banks, including JP, Morgan Chase, and Citigroup reported surprisingly good earnings. The Wells Fargo disappointed investors. Delta Airlines making some money says it earned quite a bit in the fourth quarter by operating more flights and filling a higher percentage of seats, and coming up... Census, and they're going to kick off the census in Alaska. So they'll be uh, holding a big news conference, the U.S. Census Bureau, today to kick off the 2020 census.
0: All right, so that's all coming up on Mid.
3: The opiate crisis is the topic of the next rural radio forum
4: sponsored by Ag West Commodities. Join us Tuesday, February 4th from 3 to 4 central, 2 to 3 mountain time on 880 KRVN. We'll talk with Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson, Professor Tina Chasek, Clinician Patrick Hall, and others to learn more about the history of this epidemic, why they're so addictive, what communities and states are doing to respond to this issue, and more. The opiate crisis sponsored by Ag West Commodities on the next rural radio forum. Time for us to
0: take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And uh, Paul Perkins in studio on another pretty nice day
5: yes uh, all in all you really can't uh, complain about today's weather some sunshine and temperatures actually expected to be above normal uh, especially very nice right now over western kansas on into northeast colorado that's where temperatures right now are in the low and mid 40s we have mainly some mid and upper 30s over much of central and eastern areas of kansas a little bit cooler though as you head it to nebraska most of Nebraska, at least from the west central on into eastern Nebraska, looking at temperatures right now of about 25 to 30. We do have some of those mid to upper 30s, though, over the southern panhandle on into southwestern areas of Nebraska. But all in all, pretty good for January standards. Our temperatures today slightly warmer than normal with some sunshine. Winds will be mainly light out of the southeast by this afternoon with the approach of some low pressure. It's a weak area of low pressure. That easterly to southeaster flow of that Area of low pressure will lead to the formation of some patchy fog and light drizzle, mainly for this evening, Any drizzle and fog expected to be cleared after midnight with the passage of a cold front and some northwest winds. And behind that front, those northwest winds may be a bit on the breezy side through tomorrow morning. In between systems, tomorrow through the day, Thursday, we will see dry conditions, precipitation chances start to increase by Thursday night through Friday night with low pressure that tracks through the plains. That best chance of moisture coming up on Thursday night. The precipitation time still a bit uncertain since some warmer air ahead of that low could keep some of the precipitation as liquid to a wintry mix. Right now, that outlook expecting some snow with the system, but with little to no accumulation and a wintry mix. We will keep you up to date because it is a situation that bears some watching. On the backside of that area of low pressure and northerly flow will keep our temperatures cooler than normal over the weekend through early next week. In our long-term forecast, our temperatures for Sunday through January 27th in Nebraska and Kansas, expected to be seasonal to slightly colder than normal, that best chance of colder than normal air over the eastern third of the U.S. The precipitation outlook indicates near normal to so slightly above normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through the 27th, and higher chance of precipitation towards Texas. Key weather factors in the market include favorable rain for most of South America's key crop areas and the impact of late-week storm across the central U.S., By Thursday, a new storm expected to emerge from the western U.S. Late-week precipitation in the nation's midsection will include a band of snow across the northern plains and upper Midwest and rain from the southern plains into the Mid-South. That storm will maintain very wet conditions in the Midwest and as a bit of a concern looking toward the spring planting season. Also, some bitter cold air is forecast to settle over the Midwest Sunday through Tuesday, and that may cause some cold weather stress to portions of the soft red winter wheat belt. In the Southern Plains, recent and predicted rain is favoring the winter wheat. In southern and eastern areas, the western and northwestern areas of the Southern Plains, a bit on the drier side, this late-week storm could bring mixed precipitation to the Southern Plains. Also, watching some cold air from the Midwest, Also watching uh, that cold air that may be coming in from the Midwest and possibly extending into the Southern Plains. Across southern Brazil, a new round of thunderstorms is predicted in the next few days. That will further improve the conditions for soybeans and full season corn. In central Brazil, it will be drier and hotter through this weekend but improving rain chances are on the way in about 6 to 10 days from now. In Argentina, enough rain is occurring to maintain current yield prospects and maybe even improve some of those crop prospects for Argentina.
0: All right. Well, uh, we will keep an eye on all of that. And we, certainly, we looks like uh, we're kind of lucking out right
2: now, aren't exactly.
5: we? Uh, uh, exactly. A system that's coming in on Thursday night into Friday right now, current forecast indicating little to no <laughs> snow accumulation, but maybe... It may be a bit on the slick side since those temperatures are going to be kind of hovering around freezing, and especially since the bulk of that moisture coming in on Thursday night. But we'll keep an eye on it. It is a system that bears some watching because it will continue to pick up a lot more moisture as it goes to the southeast of us.
0: Okay, very good. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, what, where do you go to check in on your weather,
5: Paul? Weather tab at krvn. dot com.
6: Continue on with our Women Involved in Agriculture series. I'm Shaylee Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. And today our guest is Callie Nelms. She is a producer, seed salesman, jack of all trades as far as a woman involved in ag from Indianola, Nebraska. Callie, we're actually going to break this into two parts. So this will be part one. We'll catch up with you again here a little bit later today. But in this first part, I just want you to start off by giving us some of your background. I grew up in Custer County.
7: I went to school at um, Aunt Selma Myrna. Uh, My dad has cow-calf operation and soybeans and corn. Um, He's also has messed with a few other specialty grains throughout the years. I was always the girl that, being the the youngest child, as my older siblings will always say, that I got away with everything. (laughs) And what I wanted to do was always be outside and be helping my dad, or maybe even not helping my dad, but just being outside, just as long as I wasn't helping in the house. Uh, no, i kind of you know I'm kind of sad about it because I cannot even hard boil eggs some days. But I'm getting better. I'd like to think, and maybe my husband might be different. But I feel like I'm getting better. So that passion kind of started a, at a really young age. Uh, my dad always joked that I could do anything, or any other girls could do anything that a guy could do. But I think he said that because of four children,
8: mm-hmm.
7: he only has one boy, so he knew he was going to get more labor out of us if he really built, <laughs> built out of his three daughters if he really built up her confidence. So from an early age, I was kind of, um, I guess, had that idea instilled that I could really do anything that I wanted to do. And I really had a passion for agriculture, uh, just being outside, helping. Um, I hated, the funny thing is, is I hated running tractors. Mm-hmm. I hated it. Um, but I got to help, obviously, laying out lots of pipe, helping with irrigating whenever I can. Those are a lot of my big projects in the summer. And then we had a haying operation. Right after college, I didn't have a job. I started out... Um, And wheat with my husband and his family on wheat harvest. Got really into that. Then found a bank job um, in the cook. I wasn't, uh, didn't really feel like that was really my forte. Did that for a year or two, and then I got an opportunity to take over an existing um, seed dealership with Channel Seed. Um, So I've been doing that for. Almost seven years now, time has flown. I really like it. I really enjoy it.
6: So that really just brings us to uh, present day. I did mention, I know you're involved in a a couple of different areas as far as agriculture is concerned. Talk to us about your day-to-day now. So I would say my day-to-day is different every day. And I think
7: anyone um, that farmed knows that um, or anyone that owns their own business knows that. Um, I could be tagging calves one day. I could be moving cows the next. Selling seed is what I do most of my time. Um, if, if I'm not selling seed, I'm either helping my husband with cows or driving combine. Combine is kind of kind of my gig. You won't find me driving grain cart because, like I said, I hate <laughs> driving tractors. But combine, combine's where it's at.
6: What keeps you going, especially coming off of a year like 2019? What is something that keeps you motivated to stay in the industry?
7: Um, I think... Probably a small part of what keeps us going is despite the challenges and the the changes that happen all the time, you know, that's part of what we like about it. We like that. But I think there's just this drive um, to share what we do with others. And I think, I I don't want to over-romanticize it, but our children. I think um, my husband and I just have one son, and he'll be two next month. He is obsessed with tractors, and sometimes that's the only word he says. (laughs) Even though he has a pretty good list, but you can just tell that even from such a young age, it's such a big part of his life. And I'm just so excited
6: that we can share that. Awesome. Thank you, Callie. Kelly. Kelly Nelms again, our guest today as we continue on with our Women in Ag series. We'll hear more from Callie and her involvement in the industry just a little bit later. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.
7: Um.
0: time for us to take a look at sports jason in studio with us here and uh, the nebraska basketball team <laughs> who knows you know they they turn it on sometimes and then other times they i guess that's the essence of a team that lives and dies by the three-pointer you know i, I wouldn't bet any
2: of my hard-earned money on nebraska no. beating ohio state tonight but stranger things have happened
0: well, they've turned it on against Indiana, Purdue, and and uh, Iowa. Yeah. So, and then decided not to against Northwestern and Rutgers. So, whatever, go figure. Yeah, they were able 15. to
2: erase nearly an eighteen point first half deficit the other day before eventually losing to Northwestern on Saturday, sixty two fifty seven to fall to seven and nine on the year. Tonight, they're at Ohio State and head coach Fred Hoiberg. Talk about some of the keys in this one.
8: Uh, it's going to be, you know, another physical battle against uh, a really tough, strong team that, uh, you know, that it, it's going to come out hungry. You know, you know, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, we've got to put uh, what happened uh, behind us. We got to learn from it. Um, you know, the good, the bad that we did, and, and hopefully come out with, with a strong 40 minutes. We're going to we're going to need it if we have any chance of winning. We're going to have to play a full, complete 40 minute
2: game. Believe it or not, but Ohio State has a worse conference record at this point than Nebraska does. They're one and four in league play. Eleven and five Overall. They were ranked 11th before they lost last week in Maryland and
0: Indiana. So that means they're going to come in tick tock
2: uh, Pretty much. <laughs> Tip-off is set for 5.30. We will bring the game to you right here on 880 KRVN. KU has an interesting one tonight at Oklahoma. That one starts at 8.00. The Nebraska Unicameral has dipped its toe into college athletics as yesterday Omaha Senator Megan Hunt and several other state senators introduced LB 962. That bill calls for the is called the Nebraska Fair Pay to Play Act. The bill reads similar to other bills introduced around the country in recent months that allow college athletes to be paid for their name, likeness, and image outside their sport. Well, Kevin Stefanski is the latest guy to walk the plank with the Cleveland Browns. The Vikings offensive coordinator was officially hired by Cleveland yesterday and is their 18th full-time coach in franchise history and the 10th since the Browns' 1992 expansion return, which to this point, let's face, has been a resounding dud. <laughs> yeah. The 37-year-old spent 14 seasons as an assistant in Minnesota and has never been a head coach at any level. Good, Good luck, luck bud. <laughs> Good luck. And UNK outdistanced Louisville to claim the Helmet Bowl three National Championship. The Lopers, the only college football team named after Antelopes, became the first NCAA Division II Helmet Bowl champions and the first non-Division three champions of Helmet Bowl. Now, this is an online contest, mm-hmm. kind of a popularity contest, but Lopers won it. There's no
0: other college teams named the Antelopes.
2: Mm. I'll so be done. What do they say. I, you would have thought. So that fancy blue and gold helmet that they put into the competition ended up beating all the rest across the nation. So it's just been that been that kind of school year for the (laughs) Workers. A lot of winning going on. It definitely has been that. That's a look at sports. For more find at any time at KRVN.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Thanks, Jason.
9: Get ready, Nebraska. Co Wetzel is coming to red dirt on the river. All. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center, Kearney. Coetzel, along with Cody Canada and The Departed. It ain't never gonna change yeah. And Cody West. We'll Tickets are on sale now at KearneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center, Carney and 93.1 The River present Coetzel at Red Dirt on the River.
8: Nebraska lawmakers spent three hours Monday debating LB 147, so-called school discipline bill. No vote was taken. Senator Joni Albright of Thurston read a letter from a teacher in her district. Just
7: in the last couple of years, I have had a student throw a chair at another student intending to hurt him and have also had students threaten other students with violence. It is time for this to stop all students are affected when a student becomes so aggressive or violent that other students are in danger or a classroom must be cleared i had another student who picked up a desk in a fit of rage and hurled it across the room it was terrifying for me and i can't imagine what the students were thinking as they hurried to the door to get out of the way of this out of control student
8: debate on the bill could be continued if the bill's sponsor senator mike Roni, can show he has the support to force a vote Grohl signed some other bills with the major to try to get the two-thirds vote he needs to forward the bill. A former Husker football player has been given probation for driving drunk and resisting arrest in Lincoln. Court records say Alonzo Denard was sentenced Monday to five years of probation. He pleaded no contest. Officers stopped Denard's vehicle early on the morning of December 2018 for having an expired registration and were going to arrest him for driving with a suspended license. Officers say Denard refused to put his hands behind his back and then scuffled with them. Denard played in the Huskers' defensive backfield from 2008 through the 2011 season and later played professionally for the New England Patriots. Some government officials are trying to reinvigorate efforts to promote economic development in western Nebraska. The regionally elected or appointed officials and economic development service providers have been invited to a meeting Thursday in the Scottsbluff City Council chambers. The goal reorganize and reboot the Western Nebraska Economic Development Group. The group originally was established in 2015 and met for about three years before losing steam. Scottsbluff Economic Development Director Star Leal says she's encouraging officials to attend what could become a forum to exchange ideas and experiences. Authorities say a truck hauling cattle is overturned in thick fog in Kansas. It occurred around 3.20 this morning on U.S. Highway 54, less than 10 miles east of El Dorado. The Butler County Sheriff's Office said in a Facebook post that loose cattle were being corralled and taken off-site. Other than cattle, there are no known injuries. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder.
1: Learning more about soybeans from Kansas State University. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Yesterday, we took a look at what was happening in the corn trials along with sorghum trials, and today we talk more about the soybean performance trials. We all know persistently what fields at harvest time delayed the results from Kansas State University, but the numbers are all in now in the Kansas State University's 2019 soybean variety performance test. Growers can now access those variety evaluations which come in very useful in variety selections for the spring's planting. K-State's soybean agronomist Bill Chapeau says that despite the frequent challenges in oversaturated fields, this year's field trials rendered some good information on behalf of the growers.
10: Well, we had, uh, in 2019, there were were 100 uh, varieties entered in the trials. We had 12 different companies or programs uh, submitted entries Uh, Most of the entries, uh, most of the varieties were Roundup Ready, extend varieties. We had uh, Liberty Link, uh, the Liberty Link varieties have been in there for several years and uh, they continue to have uh, a few of entries there. We still had a few Roundup Ready 1 entries and a few conventional varieties. And then new this year we had a few Enlist varieties for the first time.
1: Now the test sites were all distributed in the state in regions where soybeans were commonly grown. He adds that at each site, all the varieties entered went head to head
10: their trial locations are anywhere in northeast kansas a few locations all the way down southeast kansas and then central kansas and northwest kansas all the entries are are put into one test regardless of whether whether they have or haven't got specific herbicide traits we put them all in there so you can compare them all they're all handled by the same management practices they're all handled basically as conventional varieties Growers then can look at basically the yield potential of all this material. And to keep this all straight, we do in the in the reports, along the, with the variety name, have a column where we put the herbicide trait, uh, if they have that in there, or the traits of that variety, so growers can make sure they keep those straight when they're looking at that information.
1: And as for all that data, it was presented in a way that producers can clearly distinguish between the yield performance of varieties and they can also compare varieties to their past performance ratings in earlier K-State trials. Obviously
10: you've got the yield levels and uh, um, the highest yielding varieties in the test tend to have yields five to ten bushels above the test average. So something for producers to really to really, to go after. So that performance is reported for 2019, and then if entries, any of the entries that have been in the trials in previous years, 2017 or 18, those results are also in the report.
1: Now soybean producers can find a complete K-State 2019 soybean variety test report by going to agronomy.ksu.edu. Again, that website is agronomy.ksu.edu. They can also ask their local extension office for a copy as well. Well, speaking of uh, soybeans, the perpetual battle between soybean cyst nematodes damaging their crops. Soybean growers have information at their disposal that gives them an edge. As part of that soybean variety performance trials for 2019, Kansas State University included a thorough evaluation of a variety of resistance to SCN. And all those findings are now available as well to producers, and they're considered their variety selections for
10: the 2020 crop. We get more from Bill Shapoff. Tim Todd and Tom Oakley with the plant pathology department, they take all the entries in the test and they subject them to an evaluation of how how well soybean cyst nematodes reproduce on the seedlings of those plants, uh, of those varieties. And they usually do two or three different SCN populations. Uh, SCN, a particular pest, is a very genetically diverse organism populations from one field to the next can vary and so they try to capture some of that variation in response of the plants to soybean cyst by evaluating uh, the plants grown in different uh, scn populations they're referred to as hg types this past year they evaluated all the varieties to three different HG types.
1: Then by a way of comparing the test varieties to a variety known to be nematode susceptible, an SCN value is then
10: assigned to each. What we report, it's a ratio of the number of cysts growing on uh, the roots of a particular variety divided by the number of cysts that are on a check variety, a control variety that is susceptible to the, that particular population of nematode.
1: Then that gives the growers an SCN rating for every variety in the test which then can be factored into the variety selected decision making.
10: You're looking for varieties that have low numbers in response to all the populations and they vary greatly, vary greatly within a population and among populations and a variety can be be very susceptible to all the populations and can be fairly resistant to some populations and susceptible to others. And so, really, ideally, the grower would, would try to find varieties that are resistant to multiple races and tend to have values of 30 or under. Uh, not really good reproductive rates. Once you get up into the 70s and 80s and 150 values, there's a potential for that nematode really to, to reproduce well.
1: That's K State agronomist Bill Shea-Pom. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. <laughs>
9: Get ready, Nebraska. Co-Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carney. wetzel along with Cody Canada and the department. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at KearneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Co-Wetzel at Red Dirt on the River.
0: Twelve fifty three. Time for our business report here on Midday as we take a look at some numbers. The uh, the overnights, the Japanese Nikkei was up 175. The Hang Seng, though, was down 122. London's FTSE was up four, and the German DAX Index was up four. News came from the Office of Management and Budget that the... United States added a little over a trillion dollars to the debt last year, but uh, doesn't seem to be affecting the markets too much. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 59. NASDAQ, though, was down 6, and the Standard & Poor Index was uh, da-
3: is down right now at just a little over a point. Bob
0: Rogan's in with more.
3: Stocks have been mixed in midday trading. Investors are digesting the first significant round of fourth quarter corporate earnings reports. Major banks, uh, including JP Morgan Chase and Citigroup, reported surprisingly good earnings, though Wells Fargo disappointed investors. The financial sector held up well overall. Uh, technology stocks were the biggest losers. Energy costs, um, consumer prices in the news today. Uh, energy costs brought consumer prices a little bit higher and uh, American workers' earnings couldn't keep up in December. The Labor Department saying that its consumer price index rose two-tenths of a percent last month, lifted by a 2.8 percent increase in gasoline prices. Inflation is running close to the Federal Reserve's 2 percent annual target. As we mentioned, Wells Fargo's net income fell uh, hampered by the hefty costs and lower interest rates, uh, in lower interest rate environment, the bank earned 2.87 billion or 60 cents per share in the quarter. Delta Airlines earned a little bit of money uh, with more flights and more full seats. It says it earned 1.1 billion dollars in the fourth quarter by operating more flights and filling a higher percentage of seats. Now that's an 8% increase from Delta's profit in the same quarter a year earlier. Lower fuel prices helped Delta save more than $300 million. And unlike key rivals, Delta didn't get caught up in the grounding of the Boeing 737 MAX, which has been in the news quite a bit. It doesn't own any of the planes. The financial results beat Wall Street expectations. And uh, China has welcomed the Trump administration's decision ahead of the signing of a trade deal with Beijing to drop it from a list of governments accused of manipulating the value of their currencies to gain an unfair advantage in trade. A foreign ministry spokesman also said China would continue to reform its currency to bring it in line with market trends. And The U.S. Census Bureau today will hold a news conference to kick off the 2020 Census. The Census Bureau director will give an update on the first Enumeration in Toxic Bay, Alaska, which begins on January twenty-first. So that big kickoff, that um, big count that we've got coming up—the twenty-twenty census uh, kicked off—will be kicked off today in Alaska, and um, that ought to be quite an event.
0: Well, I guess uh, if you want to, you want to start at the hard place. Probably would be Alaska to do census because there's a lot of uh, open spaces.
3: But Indian there are props. But there are pro. There are probably, and I I shouldn't generalize. But there probably are are fewer people to count in Alaska. Well, so. yeah. But there's bears, too. So there's bears. Do you, you don't suppose some of those will get counted too? Do you?
0: I I. It's hard to count when you're running the other direction, Bob.
3: That's right.
0: Thanks, Bob.
4: The question the KRVN crew gets most, when are you going to call my initials? For more than 65 years, we've been spinning that monogram money wheel to give you a chance to match your lucky name to our lucky letters. Simple rules, great winnings, awarding more than $200,000 over the course of our rich history. And we won't be satisfied until you're a winner. Mornings with Paul Perkins, afternoons with Brandon Bennett, Saturday mornings too, yep, we're still spinning for winning on Monogram Money, 880 KRVN
6: joining you back. here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Shaylee Peters. As we continue on here with our Women Involved in Agriculture series, we continue to catch up today with Kelly Nelms. She is a woman involved in agriculture near Indianola, Nebraska. Kelly, we spoke to you just a little bit earlier and you talked about some of your background. Of course, you grew up in the industry. You continue now as a seed salesman. You've got livestock and a little boy. That's pretty important and a pretty big part of your picture as well, so we continue that conversation, and I wanted to shift it to talking about one thing you mentioned ahead of time, and we discussed a little bit, was 2019, and that's something you're dealing with right now with a lot of your producers and people that you interact with, it threw a lot of curveballs their way. Boy, 2019 was
7: challenging, and it was challenging for everyone I know, and probably probably a lot of people I don't know. I mean just every I mean you see it all over social media just challenge after challenge this year. I definitely think twenty nineteen was one of those years that gave us more challenging days than more rewarding days. Um but I think something again I've mentioned the the people in agriculture, they're just they know how to just stick through it and they can really commit themselves to something and um I think there's a drive in farmers and people involved in agriculture to just keep on doing what they're doing because they know that they're doing it for a bigger purpose it's bigger than them um it's a lot bigger than them and i think that just that helps me um you know not to over romanticize it but we are raising food and i think that's a pretty it's a pretty big deal it's a pretty honest venture
6: So my final question to you is then um, you're at a point, you're kind of, I like to, (laughs) you're kind of in the middle, so you're not growing up in it anymore, but you haven't been in it for an incredibly (laughs) long time. When you look at those that are above you and those that are below you, why do you think it's so important that women are involved in the industry? I think as women, we bring a totally different
7: attitude to the table. We bring different experiences we bring different viewpoints. We bring um, different ideas. And I think anybody and everybody can contribute to that. And I'm kind of in the middle. Um, I'm not the youngest in the, in the room anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm not the oldest in the room anymore um, when I go to meetings. And I think um, I would encourage any any woman to check out the Nebraska Women in X series. They have just been awesome meetings for me to go to. And um, going back to keeping that fire lit, I think finding some people that are really encouraging and elevating and that are kind of going through some of the same, I guess, discourages or the same challenges as you um, to really be able to understand and help you through those. And I think those women in ag meetings have really helped me find people to lean on and reach out to. And I think it's so important for us to support each other because we are the minority in the industry. And I think that's changing so quickly. And I, I'm so proud of everyone. Um, but I still think that we have, we can support each other um, to continue to be involved. And so if you are the old one and the older, the I should say wiser one in the room, um, you know, I've met so many women that have reached out to me and make, made me feel included and helped me learn and grow. And so as I get wiser, <laughs> for, don't want to say older, but as I mm-hmm. get wiser, wiser, you know, I really try to seek out those younger girls, younger women in the room and try to be that for them. And I think um, regardless of age or wisdom, we can all learn from each other. And we definitely have something to contribute.
6: All right. Thanks, Callie. Again, our guest, Callie Helms, as we continue on with our Women in Ag series. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network
5: play band on the world radio network
0: Talking with john payne senior marketing analyst with daniels ag marketing in chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in grain And john here at the close wheat still a strong contender throughout the day but corn and soybeans mixed to mostly lower tomorrow we've got the phase one trade deal do you see volatility ahead higher prices what's your thoughts
11: well i think we baked a lot of them in the cake here and that said, we don 't know the details of it, specifically kind of the more minutiae details of what can be enforced or not. I think that'll be whether or not the trade believes we need to put another leg in this if it 's really going to happen, but the potential's there I mean we don 't have an overall overbought market other than Chicago wheat, there really isn't a story out there that's driven funds into the market. And I think inflation is probably something that you want to look to protect against, at least in the wintertime here. So, uh, you know, the story's out of the bag as far as what the trade deal can bring to it, but there's still supply issues that can come down, and uh, we got to deal with acreage for next year. So I don't think the market's going to go anywhere. I mean, I'd be more in the favor of buying the rumor selling the fact if prices were higher, but $9 soybeans, you know, which is what a lot of folks in your area are going to be dealing with, don't really attract a whole lot of production. Uh, it'll be default production if it does. Um, so I'd, I think there's more upside here. I, I'd be prepared to, to see a breakout. I think the, the moves we're seeing in weed is pointing towards good action and uh... in the near term here. Um, we don't have any delivery risks, so uh, I, I, I don't think I'd be selling into the hole by any means. But I don't think I'd be buying it above nine fifty if that makes any sense.
0: And then we also see on the currency trade, the Chinese yuan coming back against the U.S. dollar, starting to see a little bit of inflation back to their currency. That's got to be beneficial for
3: U.S. exports.
11: Oh, absolutely, and that was part of the deal that I think is going to help us in the long run is that they've promised to not devalue their currency too much. I think there were some limits in there they could do, and that's, that's been their go-to plan, is when, when things get bad, they devalue uh, rather than reform. and when you devalue you're essentially punishing everybody else not yourself so uh you know they have inflation they have to deal with and i think that's the one the the one underlying theme here is the the re- the downfall from the trade war really exposed one the fact that their currency weakening is not good they're getting inflation by that happening and two uh they're seeing growth fall so they're fighting that double-edged sword, and that's really what the U.S. is not facing. We're not facing inflation at all. In fact, we've been inflation, and growth is pretty steady. It's not great, but it's not bad either. And I think we're in this economy where. Slow, slow growth is the theme, and when you have really slow growth or really low growth, you don't tend to get a lot of correction either. So, I think long run here, it's uh, it's a buyer's market, and we're just waiting for the next supply problem that that will come eventually, whether it's this season or next season. Uh, if China's going to be buying, the market should be performing, and that's uh, you know anytime you get the two biggest world's largest economies together, that should be the outcome.
0: John Payne, Senior market Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more at DanielZagMarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options evolve risk of loss that may not be suitable for all investors. That'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts at krvn.com. Brought to you by DaVinni Motors.
10: Howdy, folks. This is Rick from DaVinni, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and the Cook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.